God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Well, hello, everyone, and it is good to see you through the eyes of a camera. Uh, we're glad you're with us today, whether this is Saturday night for you or Sunday morning in Bellevue or downtown. If you're in one of the family rooms or the lakeside room, or maybe you're watching at home this morning, we're glad you're with us as today we're going to wrap up our study on the book or the letter of First John. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, there's a word you may have heard a lot growing up, and that word was fellowship. Very churchy word, but it's a word that as a kid I loved because when church was over and you heard anyone say, we're going to go fellowship afterward, that usually meant one of two things. One, you're going to someone's house to play with their kids and there'll be some food around and the adults will go do their thing and the kids will go in the room and do their thing, which was always a lot of fun. Or two, we were going to a restaurant. And when we went to a restaurant, it was like everybody from the church was going and we would just take over the restaurant. And it was a time for us not just to get to know each other because it was deeper than that. It was a time when life kind of became uh, a community or life came together in community and in family. And it was always fun. For us, it was usually Burger King. We'd go to Burger King and we'd get loaded up with hamburgers and fries. And of course, me and my brother would finish everyone else's food if they wouldn't eat it. But it was a great time to fellowship. The church I attended as a younger child, we actually had what we called the fellowship hall. It was a completely separate building that we would go to for basically every other function that wasn't a church service. So if there was a kids event going on, if there was music like we did some type of, we used to call singspirations, those would go on in the fellowship hall. It had wood floors. So a lot of times us kids would just go in our socks and like slide around on the floor. It was a place where kind of life happened together. And this word fellowship is a big word throughout scripture as well. You're gonna see a lot of it or if you've noticed, you've seen a lot of it as you've read through 1 John. Now, John's letter hammers in on this idea of fellowship. And this idea of fellowship shows up also in the way John uses the word love. In this epistle, in this letter, over the last seven weeks, it's been one of the founding points. The word fellowship is derived from a Greek word. This Greek word is koinonia. Koinonia. Now, koinonia can mean in, in, in the Bible, it's translated with words such as fellowship, community, communion, joint participation, uh, the sharing or participation together in anything. It's also a sign of the right hand of covenant. In other words, we're going to be in this together. That's koinonia. That's fellowship in the Bible. Koinonia can be defined as holding something in common. Once again, we're in this together. This word is used 20 times in the New Testament and a quarter of those times are in the letter of 1 John. One of the primary places where we'll see this 
word used, this idea of fellowship, is right at the beginning of the letter in 1 John chapter 1. It was verses 6 and 7. It'll be up on the screen on the bottom thirds. It says, if we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we live in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The love one another culture of the church was so unique in this day and age, and it stood out in stark contrast to the bite and devour culture of the pagan world of its day. Now, with koinonia in mind, when you look back on the last seven weeks of this series, what have we learned? What kind of is the, uh, is the culture, the environment that we see koinonia take place? And here are some really uh, important aspects we saw with koinonia. First of all, we saw the conditions of koinonia or fellowship, the conditions of fellowship. We saw what it meant to walk in the light, the conditions of setting a right environment of the heart and confessing sin and also learning to both give and receive forgiveness because both are necessary. We saw what it looks like. Uh, we saw what it looked like to obey Jesus commands. We saw the cautions of fellowship because if you get in koinonia or in, in fellowship with the wrong crowd, you can also encounter spiritual opposition. There can be a, a love of the world that comes in, what John called that spirit of antichrist, people who are against Christ. And when we tag up, when we get in fellowship with the wrong crowd, that can happen where we can be led astray. We saw the characteristics of fellowship. What does it look like to be in fellowship? It's a love for God and a love for people. It's understanding the love of God for us. It's purity and practicing righteousness. It's showing love in action. It's testing spirits. In other words, knowing what's really behind the heart of what someone is saying. Are they accurate? Or is this heretical? Is this leading us toward a mess? Love of God, love for God, and love for others. We also saw the consequences of fellowship. One of the great consequences is that we can know, we can be assured of our salvation and we can fight habitual sin together. We can have victory over the world by holding each other accountable, linking arms. And when one person is weak, we hold them up. And when we're weak, they hold us up. It's the opportunity to be a blessing to each other. It's koinonia. We as a church, value fellowship. We value koinonia because we value relationships with God and with each other. Love God, love Green Bay. Why? Because Jesus, through John, and pretty much through every New Testament book, relates this command, reiterates this command to us. Just like back then, we should stand in stark contrast to the bite and devour relationships around us. Love God and love each other. Now, what's interesting here, and this is why we've saved this message for the end, is that the Bible follows up the letter of 1 John with two more letters by the same author. They're called 2 John and 3 John. So now we've got the Gospel of John, We've got 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then later, John is going to write the book of the Revelation. So we really get a good look into John's heart 
and we know kind of his style and, and what he wants to pound home on. So we're going to touch on a couple of things today from second and third John that really make the points that we've been hitting these last couple of weeks from first John. I want to start with second John and look at what he's saying to the church as a whole. We're going to start by reading second John together. You can turn there with me in your Bibles or you can use the YouVersion Bible app uh, if you have that on your phone or mobile device. Second John, beginning at verse one. It says, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have heard from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands as you have heard from the beginning. His command is that you walk in love. John is saying here, you're getting it right. He starts with the elder, that's John, writing to the lady and her children, that's the church. And he says, you're walking in truth and the fruit of it is an obedience to Jesus and love. You're not bickering over the carpet. You're not arguing over the music. You're not complaining about the coffee. You're dealing with each other in love. People see what you're doing and it's a testimony just like Jesus said it would be. We go back to John's gospel, John chapter 13 and verse 35. Jesus said, and John recorded it, by this Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now we come to this second John letter and John is saying, you're loving one another. Let's pick up reading verse seven. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is a deceiver in the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose uh, what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much more to write you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister who is chosen by God send their greetings. John's giving a warning here, and it's one we need to be well aware of today. When it comes to scripture, when it comes to truth of what God has told us, we've got to set the bar high. We can't play games with this. The way he words it is he says, don't run ahead of what the scripture's teaching. Don't run ahead of what God has said. The New Living Translation says it this way. Anyone who wanders away from his teaching has no relationship with God. Anyone who wanders outside of the boundaries that God has set up, 
Anyone who takes these teaching and pulls others with them out of line with what the church is supposed to be, how we're supposed to act, is out of place. John gives a warning to this. The church has a heart that wants to get it right. The church that's right with the Lord has a heart that wants to get it right. They want truth. They want to have an accurate understanding or knowledge of God. They'll learn, lean into theology. Theology comes from two Greek words, theos, which means God, and logos, which means the words of or the truth of. So theology is the word of God or the truth of God. When we want to do it right, we'll dive into these areas. And you know what happens? We'll respond with love and relationship for him and others. Where do I get that from? Here's a case in point. Jesus was asked one time, what's the greatest command in the law? What's the greatest command in the law? I want the law. I want the boundaries. I want to know truth. I want to get it right. Don't give me any of this mushy stuff. Give me law. How do I do it right? How do I keep law? Jesus says, it's recorded in Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You want to get law right? Love God, love people. Matthew records it. John records it. Jesus says it over and over. And John is saying to the church, keep your bar high on scripture and keep your bar high on love. Second John, he's saying, way to go church. You're living out what God has called us to do and to be. And as a church, a Spring Lake church, I pray we keep this balance as well. That we stay committed to truth and we stay committed to loving people. We don't back away from either. Our goal is to remain true to scripture. We will speak where scriptures speak. This keeps us from going off on tangents and always preaching on pet issues and chasing cultural things that just divide. What does scripture say? We're going to stay true to scripture and we'll be a church that displays the love of Jesus. That's what we've been called to do, to be. Our lobbies, our gatherings should feel different. We've heard people say it before, and we don't ever want to leave this, that when people walk in the doors, whether it's Bellevue or downtown, no matter which service, that they'll say, I feel like I came home. I felt loved. I felt okay to be here. I wasn't afraid of, of being judged. I want to say really clearly, you don't have to be just like us to be loved by us. You don't have to be just like us to be loved by us. We want to love God and love our neighbors. Love God and love Green Bay. So 2 John is an attaboy to the church as a whole. 3 John now takes it from the church, a statement of speaking to the entire body, and he kind of hones in to individuals. People living out in the body of Christ, in this family, living out koinonia. Let's read together 3 John. It says, The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. 
It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and, do, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Now, I like John's Oreo cookie approach in dealing with this. I like using this approach as well. A positive, a negative, and the sandwich with a positive. If you've got to have a tough conversation, put a positive and a positive so that people don't feel like you're beating them up. At the same time, you don't ignore the negatives. You deal with them. You speak what needs to be spoken to. So he gives a positive then he deals with something that church needs to deal with. And then there's a negative. And you give two positives because you want to really hit on what you want to celebrate. We start with Gaius. What do we see about Gaius? John says he's faithful to the truth. He's walking in truth. The way that you're treating brothers and sisters, even though they're strangers, John says, is awesome. Verse six of this uh, chapter of the only chapter, it says that they have told the church about your love. His testimony is that he's a loving person. He's a good dude. Verse eight, we ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Gaius is all about the big purpose of the church. And at the same time, he's there without forgetting or walking on the people of the church. What an amazing testimony. This is John saying, way to go, Gaius. We don't know what his role was, but whatever it was, the people get it. They get koinonia toward each other and even toward, John tells us, perfect strangers. What an encouragement to read. But we go from Gaius to Diotrephes. What do we read about Diotrephes? First of all, he loves to be first. He is all about himself. He loves his ideas. He loves himself. He loves his ministry. He loves everyone and everything that agrees with Diotrephes. He is in koinonia with himself. He loves himself. Diotrephes wants no accountability. If he thinks you're wrong, John says, he's kicking you out of the church. Not because your doctrine is wrong or there's sin or there's heresy, but because he doesn't like you. 
John was like, he won't even let us in the church. And this is John, who's like one of the inner three with Jesus. If anyone can speak to the church, John's got the right to. Not if Diotrephes has anything to say about it. Diotrephes believes in the world of the frozen chosen. His group of friends, people who agree with him, and nobody else. Verse 11 of 3 John says, Dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. This is a shot across the bow for Diotrephes and for this church to get this right. One person should not call all the shots in regard to what koinonia should look like. There's one more person to deal with and it's another positive. Verse 11 describes Demetrius. It says that Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is truth. There's not much else you can say about Demetrius. Everyone speaks well about him. We speak well about him. And you know we're not blowing smoke, John's saying. You know we tell the truth. Demetrius is a good guy. I love people like this. People that are just easy to get along with. They want to be friendly. They're loving people. Let's be real. Everybody loves people like this. Some of you follow Jesus today because someone like this was in your life. Someone like this came in and showed you what it meant to be a Jesus follower, a true Jesus follower. It doesn't mean they were perfect. They got everything perfectly right, but you knew their heart. You knew who they were at heart. We, the church, needs Demetrius. We need to work on being more like this, having this be our testimony. So our last staff meeting, I was talking to the staff and I asked them, I was like, if, if we were writing 3 John right now, who would be Demetrius for you? Who, who are the Gaiuses who have a good testimony, who volunteer, are amazing volunteers, the lifeblood of the church? Who are the people that you would say, here's Demetrius in our ministry area? And I asked them, to spell them out. Now, the, their first response was, that's not fair because there's no way I can only pick one person in our ministry areas. But I asked them to pick one and I just want to read through. I don't have everybody. So if I don't say your name, please don't take it. You're not appreciated because you are. We understand that if it was just staff, this church would be in a lot of trouble. It's the volunteers that make this place special. So some of the people who were called out is Maurice Obey, faithfully serving and leading outreach in the park. Now, Charlie clearly did not follow the directions because his one person was Shelly Belargin, Jose and Sarah Bustos, Omar Marie, Kyra Anderson, Ben Milky, Tyler Barkley, and many more. So we need to work on what it means for one for Charlie. Anyway, uh, Stan and Lori Sukawati, faithful prayer partners who will always go above and beyond. Robin Hansen, volunteers in the office regularly and leads a life group, helps with adult ministry needs whenever called on. Joan LaFew serves in the Thursday morning life group as well as the greeting teams. Jesse Watska leads two welcome teams and fills in whenever needed, has a way of making people feel welcome. And I've got to say, he has an amazing haircut. Emily Nash, 
All that was put was volunteer extraordinaire. J.J. Berg, a junior in high school who after school and after school activities shows up early to set up and stays late to tear down after student ministries. Kristen Van Lannen develops people to be more like Jesus. Nick Nealon, serving wherever necessary. Jeanette Olson, positive, helpful, humble, always willing. Mary Ebert, she cares well and listens close to people. She cares for the girls in her student small group and encourages them to follow Jesus better. Lexi Wood, serving within our community and the needs of our community. I look at our elder board who are here at the service of this church. And it's a lot of meetings, and yet they do this volunteering because their heart is for the church. We see Gaius, we see Demetrius at play at Spring Lake Church now. I want to thank you on a personal note for those of you who have reached out and been so loving and prayerful toward Gina and I. This is koinonia. This is being in life together. When you read 1 John, and hopefully you've read it by now, when you read 1 John, don't read it as just a history book or an idea that you can pull doctrine out of. Read it as something practical, as having hands and feet. The way to serve the body of Christ. Now, I put a so what in the notes as well. And here's what I put, just one simple statement. These principles and practices of fellowship are non-negotiables. There is the same expectation of application for the church today as there was in the early church. And I want to close with one last illustration. I was listening to an interview, a podcast recently with an author. And the author's point in his book is that preachers, politicians, and prosecuting attorneys know how to make points. And he's right. I mean, I'll, I'll start with me. I have been trained to make a point. I can hammer home a point. I get the microphone, so that means I get to do the talking a lot of times on Sundays. Whatever preacher is preaching, we can make a point. But making a point doesn't always change a life. As a matter of fact, sometimes people will make a point at the expense of building a wall and having the opportunity to bring life change. I've been trained to make a point, but I would rather make life change than make a point. I would rather make a difference than make a point. When you read 3 John, the bar stays high for truth. The bar stays high for scripture, and that's not changing. But along with that, I should say and with that, is there's a love. That the love and truth combined don't just make a point, it makes a difference. Spring Lake Church, maybe you're watching and you're from another church. If you are a Jesus follower, the challenge for us is not just to make a point. We could win an argument. But if we push people away, have we really accomplished anything? Let's make a difference. Let's speak the truth in love. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your example. And Jesus, I pray that without an ounce of compromise in our life, that we will live the life of truth in love. And that truth will create more of a love in us for others. Because that's what you said, the greatest command, the way to fulfill all of the law, to get it all right, 
is to be a person of love. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to continue growing in that way, to continue moving toward being a people and a church of love. I pray, God, once again, that this church's testimony, both as an organization or as a church and as individuals, is that we love God and we love Green Bay. I pray that koinonia will be evident to anyone who walks in our door or crosses our path. In Christ's name we pray.